0: There's a lot of different belief systems. There's a lot of different, um, even misconceptions about who God is. And it hinders our walk so much. It hinders people's relationships with God if they don't understand him, if they don't come to know him in a greater and greater way as, as we live life. And so what you think about God will determine how you relate to him. What you think about God will determine how you relate to him. So it's important to have the right view, the correct view of God, to have an understanding of, of who God is. And in this series, like I said earlier, you're going to encounter these truths and learn more about God as you go along. And so this morning, we're talking about how God is gracious. Everybody say gracious. Everybody say God is. Gracious. Good. Man, you guys are doing great. I'm so glad you're awake this morning. Like uh, Susan said, you had the extra hour of sleep, so you're pumped. You're ready to go. <clears throat> well, Listen. When we have, when I have an accurate view of who God is, I'm able to discover the life He made for me. Right? When I have an accurate view of God, I begin to discover the life. He made me for, and it's true for all of us. The, the more we know God, the more we'll be able to walk in the things that he has for us. The more we'll be able to walk closer to him, right? And I, I believe that each and every one of us desire to do that. We wanna walk closer to God. And so this morning, I wanna help us to have an accurate view of God, to help have a better, a more true view of God. And so we're gonna talk about how God is gracious. When I, when I was a kid, I had a, a rough relationship With my father, my dad was a uh, a mechanic, and he had his own business. He had his own shop, and it was right on our same property as our house. It was right there in our backyard. And he was a hardworking man. He was always working on a car. I mean, before the sun was up, he was out there in the shop, and he was working, slaving away. And then he worked till after the sunset. You know, he'd come in, tired. His his knuckles were all beat up. He had his fingernails were always dirty. Right, my dad was just a hardworking guy. And 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 the thing that was Cool about having a, a mechanic shop in your backyard is that there's a sea of vehicles out there, right? And so, as a little kid, it's like, man, you're you're, I mean, you're in uh, Indiana Jones and you're trying to discover treasure. You don't know what you're gonna find, right? And so, you we would, I know this is kind of telling ourselves, but we would go and see if the cars were open, like, and see what we could find in there and see what was in there. We would play hide and seek and we would hide in the in the. I remember hiding in the bed of an El Camino, right? That was a, a car slash truck. Back in the day, had the bed, and so you could hide in there. That was a great hiding spot. We hid on top of cars, under cars, inside cars, and but we had to be super stealth about it because if Dad heard us, which it's a distinct sound when you're jumping from hood to hood, a very distinct sound. And so my dad would come out, hey, you know, screaming, and we knew we were in for it. So we just book it to the house, right, and just. But we knew if Dad caught us, we were going to be in trouble. We were going to get a spanking, and I was terrified. Of my dad, number one, because he gave the worst spankings in the world. I mean, my friends got spankings, but my dad had made his own paddle, right, out of a two by four. He carved it out, and he, he even went so far as to write our names on it, right? <laughs> and then he took it another level. He drilled holes in it so that it would go faster, you know, you, so the air doesn't stop. the air goes right through it. I don't know if you know the physics there, but it, it stings. And so we were terrified of dad, not only because he gave the worst spankings in the world, but also because, you know, my dad worked hard and he was busy, he was always doing something, but whenever he wasn't working, he was relaxing. And when he was relaxing, one of the things that he liked to do was to drink. And so he would drink beer, he would drink alcohol, all kinds, and there were several times that he drank too much. And when my dad drank too much, we were afraid because we didn't know what he was gonna do, right? We didn't know how he was gonna react. A lot of times he was angry, and we didn't know why. We didn't know what we had done. He was just angry. And so I was growing, growing up, I just knew my dad was, he was mad a lot of times, right? And, and he was busy. And, and so I did my best to avoid him because I didn't know if he was mad at something I had done. I didn't know if he was just out to get me. And so I just, I just avoided him most of my childhood. And I remember my dad, he owned a 1976 Chevy Silverado two-tone blue and white And it was dueled out, 454 in in the front, 454 engine. And it had this dueled out mufflers. You could hear it coming from a mile away. And so when my dad had finished working and went to the bar, went to a friend's house and was drinking and he was coming home, you could hear him. And it was like, I mean, it was like roaches when the light turns on. When we heard the truck, we ran to the bed, right? Hide under the covers because we didn't know. We didn't know if he's going to come in angry. We know if he's going to come in and, and... Spank us or hit us or do something because we did, we didn't know what we had done. We were terrified of him, so we just avoided him. I remember thinking a lot of times, like I wish my mom would just leave my dad. I wish she would just leave him because we're we're afraid he doesn't help us. He hurts us. You know, all these. There was times where my mom did leave my dad, but she would always go back. She would, and it got to the point where it was like we knew when she left, we we're just gonna go back. We're just and so I had this just rough relationship with my dad. And I, I got to the point then where I was like, Dad, I just want my dad to go. I just want him to leave. And he did. When I was about 15 or 16, he, he left and he moved to Houston and he, and he started working uh, at a mechanic shop there. And I felt like, man, this is it. Now I'm going to be happy. Now I don't have to be afraid. Now I don't have to, to, to struggle with this relationship anymore. Have you ever had a relationship like that where you just didn't know. You didn't know how someone was going to treat you. You didn't know how they were going to react. You, you, you tried to avoid them because they might be angry or they might get you for something that you had done that you didn't even know you had done, right? You, you had relationships like this before. And, and the crazy thing is that a lot, of, a lot of times people relate like this to God because they have a misconception of, of who God is and they think that God's angry. Or they think that God's out to get them for the things that they've done. So what do they do? They avoid him. They stay away from him in hopes that he won't find them out, he won't get them, he won't, do those, he won't repay them for all the, all the bad that they've done, right? But today, it's important for us to have that right view of God, that God is gracious, that he's not angry, that he's not out to get us, but he's gracious, and that he wants to draw close to us. He wants us to draw close to him. He wants to draw close to us. There's a scripture I want to read to you in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. It says this, You are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You're a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love, right? Being gracious, what does that mean, right? What does it mean that God is gracious? Being gracious means that God is constantly reaching out to us because he loves us. He's constantly reaching out to us, not because he wants to get us, not because he wants to correct us, not, but because he loves us, right? It's like we were singing about this morning, the overwhelming love of God. It's, he's reaching out to us in his grace and his mercy simply because he loves us. There's a story that Jesus told to illustrate this point. It's in the book of Luke, chapter 15. It's the story called the prodigal son, right? And so some of you have probably heard it before. And I want to kind of summarize a little bit before we read some of this this, uh, these verses that refer to the prodigal son. And so Jesus is telling this story about this father who has two sons, an older and a younger, right? And so one day, the younger son comes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance, right? I want, I want what's mine. Give it to me now so that I can just go. And so in, in that culture, in that day, that's just a huge insult. You don't do that you know, if a, if a son did that, I mean, he was worthy to be stoned. He, was, he, he deserved to be stoned. He, he didn't deserve to be a son anymore. But this son has the audacity, the boldness to come to his father and say, Dad, give me mine. Give me what's mine so that I can go. And they got the, the, the father in his graciousness says, okay. And so he gives him his inheritance and the son goes out and he, he blows it all. He blows everything. He, he blows it on parties and just living crazy and Just, I mean, making it rain, just whatever it is that comes his way. He's got a a bunch of friends that let's just party. Let's just have, live it up. I'm rich. Come on. Let's just enjoy everything that we can. And so the son does that. And then then when the money comes to an end, right, because money runs out, we know this, right? We work jobs. We realize that. And when it comes to an end, his friends are gone. He's broke. He's alone. He has nothing. And he realizes, man, I just, I blew it. I blew my inheritance. I blew my relationship with my dad. It's, it's over. And <clears throat> so he realizes, I gotta eat. So he gets a job, right? He, the only job he can find, I don't know, it must have been a bad economy, but the only job he can find is feeding pigs, right? So, so think about it for a minute. Let's try to put ourselves in, in the shoes of the younger son. You had these dreams, you had these aspirations. Man, if I had that money, I could go and do this. I could go and be somebody. I could, who knows what he was thinking, right? But he goes out and he completely fails. Epic failure. That was perfect timing, by the way. Epic failure, right? He just blows it all. And so now he's at rock bottom and he's feeding the pigs and, and he's so desperate that the, the pig slop looks appealing. He's so hungry. He's so desperate that he thinks, man, that, that actually looks pretty good. And then he has this epiphany. He has this moment. He realizes, man, even the servants in my dad's house have better than me. I'm not worthy to be a son, but maybe my dad will take me back as a servant. Maybe my dad would, would let me work for him. And at least I'll have food. I won't have to eat pig slop. At least... You know, I'll have some type of life. So, so I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to talk to my dad and ask him to forgive me and ask him if he'll, he'll let me be his servant, not his son, right? So this son has this perspective of, and I've done wrong. I've, I'm not worthy to be called a son. And he prepares this speech. So I'm going to talk to my dad, and I'm going I'm to go back and become a servant, right? And I, that's where I want to kind of pick up in the story. Luke chapter 15 I want to read to you these, these five verses. Luke 15, verses 20 through 24 out of the NLT. And it says this. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. It's an interesting verse right there. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. The only way he see him coming is if he was looking for him, right? Let's, let's keep reading here. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him now running is something that men don't do in that day it's inappropriate you look like a fool if you run why men wear they wore robes and so you really can't run unless you do this number (laughs) like pick up your robe and then you you got quick feet and then you can run right so they don't do it If, if a if a Jewish man saw another Jewish man running I mean he'd be like look at that fool It's not like run for us, run, like that kind of thing. It's like, no, he's really a fool. You don't run. But this father, filled with love, filled with compassion, ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Have you ever felt like that? For the things that you've done, you felt like, I'm not worthy to be called the child of God. I'm not worthy to be called the son of God. I'm not worthy to be called the daughter of God. Then you know what it's like to be the younger son, to have an epic failure in your life and to not want to come crawling back and say, I'm sorry. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But look at what the father says. But the, his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe. It's, it's like he interrupts his speech before he's even done. He's gonna tell him make me a servant right but the father stops him and says to his servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill this kill the calf we have been fattening we must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life he was lost but he is now found so the party began right i love the way the nlt puts that the party began so if you're the younger son, I mean, you're overwhelmed, right? You're humbled. You're like, I was just gonna be a servant, but man, dad, you just, I don't understand this in your grace and your mercy. You, you came running to me, you kissed me, you loved on me. Like, and if you've ever felt the forgiveness of God, you understand what it's like to be him, right? To feel unworthy, but yet, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about the grace of God. And God is gracious, even when you're unworthy. God is gracious. And so the father embraces the son. He says, let's throw a party, right? I mean, it's just, if you think about it in the natural mind, it's crazy, right? Because if we keep reading in the story, we see a, a completely different perspective, right? It's the perspective of the older son. Let's look in those verses, right? Let's keep reading. Meanwhile, The older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Okay, so now we all know what it's like to be the younger son. Now let's think about what it's like to be the older son. Here you are. Serving your dad. You're out in the fields working where you've been every day, right? Working, enslaving for your dad, doing your best to help your father. You know that his younger son completely betrayed him. You know that, that your little brother totally dissed your dad, right? Disrespected him, asked for his money, went out and blew it. I mean, just dumb. And then you're coming home and you, you hear like music? You hear like the... Right, I mean, you hear and you see dancing like there's a dance floor in the house and your brother's like getting it with his friends while you're working. Like nobody even called you to come eat. You're out there slaving away and now and you smell the barbecue on the grill like they're cooking steak. They're cooking baby back ribs. It was a, it was a calf. It wasn't a cow. Right. It's baby back ribs. I, you, you smell that in the air and you're like, what? Am I the only one that's crazy? Dad, do you remember what he did to you? He completely disrespected you. And he went and blew all the money that you gave him. How? He just got back. How can you throw a party for him? I mean, it's like 15 minutes. Nobody throws a party in 15 minutes, right? It's illogical. If you're the older son, you have every right To be angry, right? You're like, this makes no sense. This is completely illogical. But that's the grace of God. (laughs) It makes no sense that God would die for his enemies. Because that's what we were. When we sinned against God, we became enemies of God. makes no sense that God would love us. But the grace of God... It's scandalous. It's illogical. It's unthinkable. It's not about me. It's about God. And that's what the older son needed to see, right? He was doing what was right. He was doing his best, but he was doing it for himself. That was what became obvious by the words that he spoke, right? The older brother was angry. Let's keep reading the story. We... We may have heard this before, but let's keep reading. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, notice this, he doesn't say brother, With my brother. When this son of yours, right, completely disowned his brother, comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Let's look at the older brother for a little bit and talk about some things that maybe we can learn from him. Until we see God as gracious, until we see God as gracious, we can live in a state of restless anger. And that's what's obvious when, the, when he begins to speak. He's angry. He's angry with what's transpired. He's angry with his brother, for making this stupid move, for doing these crazy things, and for insulting his father and going out and blowing all his money, right? And he's angry with his father that his father didn't take it out on him, that his father didn't have consequences for the son. I mean, you came back. Yeah, you came back. We're going to have a party, but you don't get to celebrate. You were out there doing all kinds of crazy things. You spent all my money. You sit in the corner while we dance and while we eat steak, and you can just watch. While we celebrate, right? I mean, that's what we would want to do as a parent. No, no, no. You don't get to enjoy this for all the crazy things you've done, right? You're in timeout. Go to the corner. Right? I mean, he deserves punishment. That's what the older brother's thinking. And the older brother becomes angry when when he doesn't think that the younger brother gets the punishment he deserves. He should be punished. We shouldn't be throwing a party. There's consequences for what he's done, right? And maybe you've been there before too. Maybe you've looked at, from the outside, looked at somebody else's life and thought that they didn't deserve that. Why why did they get that promotion? Why did they get that new car? How did, they didn't deserve that. They don't deserve that son. Look at how they parent, right? And we, we begin to judge and it makes us angry when we forget that God is gracious. God is gracious, man. He gives us what we don't deserve. That's what grace really means, that we get what we don't deserve. The younger brother didn't deserve a party. He didn't deserve to be a son anymore. But he got it because of a gracious father. Right? And the older brother lost sight of that. If anyone should know, the heart of that father it's the older brother. He's been there day in, day out. He's worked with his dad. He's he's lived with his dad. He stayed with his dad, loyal. He's so close to his dad and yet still didn't know his father's heart. Didn't know that his dad was a gracious man, a gracious father, And if we don't understand that God's gracious, then we can live in a state of restless anger. But his father explains this to him, right? His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found, right? That's just an explanation of something that we, we don't get, we don't understand. But we have to come to this view, this perspective, and this, this we know about God, and he's gracious. He's gracious. And if we begin to judge from the outside, and, and, and begin to say what people should get or what people should, and we lose sight of that graciousness of God, right? God is gracious because of his love. He's always reaching out to us. He's always wanting us to come home to him, to come back to him. The father was looking for the son to come back, right? And as soon as he did, he ran to him. And when we come to God, regardless of what we've done, he's ready to welcome us. He's ready to throw a party. He's ready to celebrate. He's ready to help us when we really need help, when we really want to change. Until we see God is gracious, anything we might do for him can become joyless duty. Until we see God is gracious, anything we might do for him can become joyless duty. And we see this in the words of the older brother who says, all these years I've slaved for you. What does that tell us about the older brother? He sees his father as a slave driving master. He sees his father as an uncaring boss. Like, you don't care what I do. You don't, you don't see all that I do. You don't notice me. I'm slaving away. He's not doing these things because he loves his father. He's doing these things because he has to. And that's the danger. When we don't see God as gracious, then what we do for him can become obligation. It can, it can become a job instead of a relationship. And what we do for God, we have to do it because it's the right thing to do instead of serving with an attitude and a heart of love and gratefulness, right? We have to maintain that perspective of seeing God as gracious. When we see him as gracious, then what we do for him will become joyful. It will, become, it will flow out of a heart of love. It will flow out of a heart of gratitude when we understand that God is gracious. Until we see God as gracious, life can be one big anxious performance. Everybody say performance. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say performance. There you go, all right. The older brother said this. I have never disobeyed your command. I've never not done what you've told me to do. Anything you told me to do, I did it, right? And so the thing about performance is that when we begin, it can be out of good intentions, right? The older brother, I'm sure, wanted to please his father. That's that's the older sibling syndrome, right? They want to please their parents. They want to do, they want to make them happy. They want to do what's going to Make him smile and say, way to go, kiddo. And so he started out wanting to make his father happy, but then what did it become about? It became about him. It became about, look at what I'm doing. Notice what I'm doing. Give me a young goat so I can have a party with my friends. Like You haven't noticed anything I've done. That's the danger of performance. We start out with good intentions, but then it turns into selfishness. It's about me. It's about what I deserve. I did these things, so I deserve this. And he did it, so he doesn't deserve it. We gotta maintain that perspective. God is gracious, right? Think, think about, where's he at right then in that moment? He's outside, there's a party going on inside, people dancing, the, the, the steak is there. I mean, they killed a fattened calf. You're gonna have steak, right? You're gonna have lingua and, All that stuff too, right? I don't know if they did that back in that day. But anyway, they're they're celebrating. They're having this party. He's outside. What's he doing? He's crying. Like, Dad, what's wrong with you? It's not his party. He can't cry if he wants to. But he's out there crying. He's out there like, because he doesn't understand the graciousness of God, right? And we get caught up in this performance. Man, it's so easy in the society and the culture we live in to get caught up. In performance, right? Even as a parent, as a parent, you want to have the you want your kids to be the best, right? You want to control. You want them to act right, to speak right, to do right. When they're at school, to behave, right? You don't ever. I I know we've gone several places. You know, you go places, adults out there, and you don't want your kids to ever say anything that you're like, oh Lord, why would you say that, right? Because then, what are they going to think? They're going to think, oh man, terrible parents. He says, caca, pee-pee, boo-boo. Like, they're kids. That's the thing about raising, you're, you're, there are no perfect kids, right? There are, I, maybe that popped your bubble. I don't know. There, <laughs> there are no perfect kids. Your kid's amazing, man. Your kid's awesome. They may be this, a straight-A student. They may be the best soccer player on the team, but they're not perfect, right? And if we get caught up trying to raise perfect children. It's performance-based. And, and what is it really about? It's about us. We don't want our kids to embarrass us, right? So that's what happens. Even even in your job, you, you have a career, you have a good job, you're striving, you're trying to earn a promotion, you're trying to work your way up, you're trying to make enough money to support your family, and you got good intentions, but then what? It becomes performance-driven, and did I do enough for my boss to notice me? Did I do enough to meet that deadline? Am I gonna, did I do enough to earn that promotion? Right? And then the stress and the weight of that just breaks us. And everything else in our life is ruined because... We're so performance-based on our job that we lost sight of what really mattered, right? Performance-based living is a dangerous place to be. And when we understand the graciousness of God, it frees us from that. God doesn't love us (laughs) because we did everything right. He doesn't love us based on his performance. He just loves us because he's God of grace. He's a gracious God, and he gives us what we don't deserve, Right? Until we see God as gracious, we may make a lot of proud comparisons. The older brother compares himself to the younger brother, right? He says, "This son of yours has devoured your property with prostitutes." Right. And so I kind of wonder about that because how does he know? I mean, was he there? Did he like what Did he have video footage? like what What, what did he know? How did he know that his Younger brother was doing what, right? It's all hearsay. It's all uh, assumptions. It's all exaggerations, right? He's going to paint him in the worst possible picture so that it makes him look better, right? I mean, that he did the worst of the worst, and you're throwing a party for him. But look at me. I've been here doing everything right. And what did you give me? Comparisons, right? Another dangerous road. You begin to compare yourself to other people and you think about what they should get and what you should get. And instead of, instead of just realizing that God, in his grace and mercy, didn't give you what you deserve, right? Which is death, which is, I mean, hell. But he gives you his best. He gives you love. He gives you grace. He gives you mercy. So. Maybe you're here this morning and you can likely relate to the younger brother because you were estranged from your father and you didn't deserve to be a son. You didn't deserve to be a daughter of God. But your gracious father said, I'm gonna pay the price anyway because I want you. Or maybe you can relate to the older brother. I think that we all can relate to the older brother in some way, right? Proud Proud comparisons. Restless anger, we're angry, and we don't even know why. Joyless duty, what we do just becomes obligation instead of an overflow from a, a grateful heart, right maybe maybe we're in that place where one of those things, one of those areas performance performance based, living a performance-based life, one of those things is is weighing us down this morning and I, I hope that through through Reading the story of the prodigal son and dissecting it, that God brings freedom to your life today. And you realize that, man, the very things that you have in your life, the relationships you have, the job you have, the health you have, you have because God is gracious. That's why you have those things. So I want to pray for us here in a minute. But let's talk about some next steps Let's, let's, let's do this. I, I want to encourage you in these next steps. Ask God to show you where you have lived in anger, joyless duty, performance, or comparisons. Because a lot of times we don't even realize that we're doing that. We don't even realize that we're walking in these things. But it, we can ask God. and sh- God, show us where we've done that. And then secondly, we want to ask God to help us see how gracious he really is. To expand our perspective and our view understand the grace of God just a little more. I don't think we'll ever fully understand it, but just to get a a little bit bigger of a picture of the grace of God, right? And then number three, ask God to help you see when he is reaching out to you in his grace. Because he is, he is right now. He's reaching out to you in his grace. In your hardest trials, most difficult circumstances of your life, the grace of God is there reaching out to you. It's just a matter of us seeing that grace, right? Let me tell you a little bit more about the story of me and my dad, right? So he left and uh, moved to Houston, and I thought I was going to be so happy that, you know, dad's gone, and I don't have to worry, I don't have to hide, I don't have to be afraid that what he might do or, you know, what might happen. But as it turns out, not a lot of time had, had passed by, and I began to realize I had this void in my life. I began to realize, man, something is missing. But I wouldn't admit to it. Because I was still afraid of my dad. And I didn't want to admit that I, I wanted him, that I needed him. I just thought the best thing was he needed to go and stay away. Right? And so, so, but what happened is that God, in his grace, kept reaching out to me. And he sent a godly woman into my life. And I like to talk about my wife because she's amazing, right? So Susan said, I'm madly in love with her. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, appreciate that. And so I like to say that before I had salvation, I had Galvation, right? What's Galvation? Galvation means you're saved by a girl, right? So she would take me to church. Even though I really didn't want to go to church, I just wanted to be with her. So but if I was going to be with her, then I had to go to church. And so I would go to church. And I remember uh, just not really wanting to go, but going because of her. And so that was that Galvation. But God knew what he was doing. Right. In his grace, he was reaching out to me. He was he was beginning to heal my heart. He was beginning to draw me close to him. And he realized that I had stayed away from him. God knew that I had stayed away from him because my relationship with my earthly father had hindered my relationship with my heavenly father. And I thought that God was the same way. God's just angry with me. God's just out to get me. That's why all these bad things have happened to me, that God is after me. And so I do my best just to stay away. But God, in his great grace, kept reaching out to me. And he brought Michelle into my life, a godly woman. And I, I began to go to church, and God began to draw me back to him. And I surrendered my life to God, and he began to heal my heart and heal my relationship with him. And, and God is so awesome, man. It's a, there's a great, there's a, there's a significant reason, I think, why they call it amazing grace. The grace of God is amazing, right? The amazing grace of God even restored my relationship with my earthly father. There was forgiveness and there was healing. My dad died about four years ago, but for the last few years of his life, God brought a healing and relationship back that where that fear and that, that um, trepidation, you know just not wanting to be around him, not holding a grudge for all the things he had done was, was lifted and I was free to love my father, to embrace my father to receive from my father. The grace of God is amazing, right? God is gracious I hope that that this message ministered to you today. And I, w- I want to pray for us over those next steps you know, that we talked about. So if you would, would you just stand with me for a minute so that we can pray? Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your amazing grace. We're not perfect that you constantly reach out to us. <laughs> We're not perfect. And in this life, we never will be. But your grace is sufficient for us. It covers us. God, your love is unconditional for us, Father. It never quits. It never fails. It never stops, God, pursuing us and pouring over our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for your love today. Father, I thank you for your love today. And may your grace wash over us, God. And may it wash away restless anger. The anger that we have in our life, and for, for no reason that we can We can identify, Lord God, that your grace would just wash over us and that we would see that you're a gracious God. God, where we've served you and it's been just joyless duty, it's been obligation, may your grace wash over us today and give us a grateful heart that we're thankful that we have the opportunity to serve you. May we see serving you as a privilege, as an honor, and not a duty or an obligation. Father, where we've where we've been all about performance in our relationships, Lord, even with our children or with our coworkers, God, or, or with our family. We've tried to earn their respect. We've tried to earn their love. God, may your grace wash over us today. And may we understand it's not about what we can do or what we have done. It's about you. It's about sharing your love with others, it's about sharing the grace that you've given to us with those that you've placed in our lives. May we be gracious to people as you have been gracious to us, God. Thank you, Father. And God, where we've compared ourselves with other people, Lord, may your grace wash over us and may we not sit in the seat of judgment. But God, may we pray for those May we pray for those we see that are struggling. May, may, we, may we be reminded that we want, at one time, we were the younger brother. We were in desperate need of you to forgive us, to reach out to us, Lord God. So we thank you for your grace today, Heavenly Father. We come running to your arms. We ask you for forgiveness. We ask you for love, and we thank you that you're free. You're, you're willing to give us what we need. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you for your great grace, your great love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.